Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Optimal Bio's Wellness Podcast. Uh, today, we have a special treat, uh, Dr. Stephanie Ripka, uh, the founder and owner of Brain and Body Solutions, uh, is going to be our special guest today, along with Tyler Brandon. And um, we hope this next hour is a, a learning experience and um, an adventure you know, for all of us that are listening today. To that end, uh, I thought I'd just immediately flip it over to Dr. Ripka and uh, allow her to uh, tell her story, how she got started and uh, how, you know, what are, what are some of the, I guess, important things that, um, you know, transpired there allowed her to start her practice and also be here today. So welcome, doctor. Thank you. So nice to be here with the two of you. So this is always like, I think the worst question, the introduce yourself moment. I almost feel like I'm on like either a BNI meeting or like, you know, a Toastmasters speech thing, but you think I would be used to it after doing this hundreds of times, but here we go. Um, I may be a little bit different than some, I've been listening to some of your podcasts. Um, I am of the very strong holistic or what people may call AKA alternative health scene. So I didn't have my, my pivotal moment to know that allopathic medicine was not my path happened in my early twenties, right? 19, maybe even. Um, so I'll back it up to what I do today. I've been in private practice for over 20 years. Um, I started off as working in the mental health field actually with schizophrenics and realized really quickly I didn't like what I was seeing. Nobody was getting better and none of this was working. Um, and it was like, there's, I don't think I need to go to medical school. I think I need to do something else. And kind of fell back upon something that I knew that had been helping me and helped my mental health tremendously was chiropractic. So I went to chiropractic school because I didn't want to go the drug route. And I went into it with a fierce determination to help people get out of prison, help them get off drugs and help them get off mental hospitals. I was a very young, naive person thinking I could do that just, you know, um, with the power of the adjustment and the vitalistic philosophy that chiropractors have. So while in school, um, my nephew was diagnosed with autism. That was a massive transition of how can I help my sister and how can I help this child? And so I kind of, you know, case manage that whole thing, but finding the physicians and the specialists in the Defeat Autism Now network. And then they kind of hand trained me for over a decade in everything from mitochondrial repair, DNA, epigenetics, um, the gut, the gut brain connection, neurotransmitters, it just became the thing. And that all related to my first desire to help people with mental illness, such as uh, schizophrenia was the top notch, but uh, bipolar and, and suicidal ideation and things that were leading people to live lives on the street or in prison. So that's kind of the track of how it happened and how I approach school. And because I don't like ever being told what to do and I'm not a really good you know, leader of things. I just opened practices because I was too stupid to know that was hard or a bad idea. Um, because the holistic practitioners like chiropractors or uh, Chinese medical practitioners here, you know, acupuncturists, whatever, we can't really get jobs. Like we don't go to medical school and work in a hospital. So you kind of have to be able to run a business and be successful and get results to get patients. <laughs> like if you aren't good at it, you aren't going to survive. So that's what I've been doing for a very long time. And my practice definitely has taken 
dives and turns and, you know, um, wherever I was, I was, you attract those kind of people that need you. Like if you help fertility you know, you get a bunch of those, you panic attacks, you help a bunch of those, they just start coming in fibromyalgia. Now they're all, now you know them for that. Right. But once I started getting into, um, the neurotherapies, I'm board certified in neurofeedback as well. And I've studied a lot of orthomolecular psychiatry, even though they won't certify me, the organizations, I take their training, but they won't certify someone who's not a physician yet. So I do a lot of things that uh, are very brain-based, lots of technology focusing on the chemistry, which led me to focus on the quantum uh, biophysics of the human body as you, as you go deeper and deeper and deeper into the body. So you got to do. So that's what kind of what happened. Um, I saw, you know, I read, it was really one woman and schiz with schizophrenic and I reading her, she was nonverbal, you know, in a wheelchair and getting to know her and take care of her and getting her into a group home. So they, she out of the hospitals and getting these schizophrenics into group homes. Um, her case, reading the book, you know, that was inches thick, the binder of everything about her. And one night I just had a lot of time and I was reading it and it was disgusting. Um, it, it was kind of shocking to my soul. And, the, and her case was not really that unique in terms of the drugging up, doing away with the abuse then she received in the hospital by you know, orderlies that work there. And um, I, it, it was, it was disgusting. And I said, there's gotta be a better way. I'm like, they don't get anybody better. And in fact, everybody just gets worse from every drug they put them on. And again, in my naivete and what I went through, I thought ah, they just need to be adjusted. I learned it's a whole lot more than that, a lot more complicated, whether it's schizophrenia or autism or anything else. And I just, dove into it. So that's what I've been doing in private practice for a very, very long time. Um, uh, most of my practice is built upon um, psychiatrists and therapists referring to me going, she's a little bit crazy. I don't know exactly what she's doing over there, but you just need to go see her. You know, that's what kind of happens. And I work together with the physicians and uh, therapists that, you know, are going to get them off the drugs. Couple questions around that. I mean, from your experience and with the patients that you're seeing, from my perspective, it seems to be a, an epidemic, you know, of mental health issues at this point in time. Um, why is that? Why, why in the last, you know, 20 or 30 years are we seeing this? So there's nothing is like one cause at this point. You know, it's a very integrated, holistic way of looking at this. I think ultimately. The, for me, because I've asked myself this a lot, I'm, I'm looking at it a lot. It seems the further humans get disconnected from nature, it's as simple as that, the more biologically disruptive we get. So whether that's in how we're, everything about how we're living, how the light, the water, the magnetism, the electromagnetics, the food we're putting in, it has powerful, profound, and long-lasting impacts on everything. Mm -hmm. And once you start deranging the biological system into chaos, it leads to severe uh, brain derangement and miscommunication everywhere. 
completely is you hit it like the nail on the head. It's like the perfect way to sum it up is getting away from nature because that's what it is. And I feel like, you know, like you said, one investment can fix everything. And it's just, I, if people understood and knew what food can do to you, either negative or positive, I feel like it could help so much because the processed food, the drinking water, and just the less connection we have with humans and being outside, I think it's just a direct report of what's going on. And especially when you add pharmaceuticals into it, people don't talk about the negative side effects that people could be taking daily, they don't realize it could be, you know, causing depression, anxiety, or other physical um, problems. Yeah, it's even in the languaging, you know, a couple things even called a side effect. It's not a side effect, it's an effect. Yeah. It's all effects. Right. Some you're going to like and some you're not going to like. Mm -hmm. Everything's cause and effect. It's, you know, it just is what it is. Um, it's, and nature is more, I mean, what we're doing right now, this is incredibly unnatural, right? So the further you live away from nature disconnected in these homes, surrounded by 60 Hertz electricity with routers and, and artificial lights and with all these clothes on. And I mean, what is all this stuff even made of, right? What am I breathing in and the paint and the rug fibers? There are things we've just taken for granted like this is normalized mm -hmm. instead of living, you know, connected to the earth, sleeping on the ground, having the light and day cycles. Food is just captured light. Mm -hmm. That's all it is. It's a communication signal from a process from the sun and what it's doing with the earth. It's a combination of carbon, hydrogen, you know, oxygen, and a little bit of nitrogen with amino acids and stuff. So it's really just a, some, the same things. You have a circular process that the, sun, the earth goes through with photosynthesis, you know, and human, you know, respiration. We are intimately connected. And the further humans keep thinking we're so smart we're so smart with this incredible, you know, cortex. It's really been helpful for us in so many ways, but we are the only animal on earth that needs 47 books, 18 degrees, 4,000 research citations to know what the hell to eat. Mm -hmm. It makes no sense. The lions are looking at us like you're a bunch of idiots. This isn't that hard, right? Why are you so confused? No other animal on earth is confused about what to eat, how to move, how to sleep, how to have sex, how to make babies. You know, we are driven by these primal things of hunger, thirst, reproducing, <laughs> whatever you want to call it, breathing, you know, sleeping. They're just, they're primal. And then the love connection is kind of that weird things in there too. And if you just listen, you always get told what to do. The problem is we're living in such perversion that it's very distorted and we no longer came in here our own signals, right? So food matters, absolutely. I, it is absolutely not the, not only, the thing, only thing, right? It's everything that goes into it. So when I start explaining to people in terms of changing their behavior, it's fascinating because people just want to buy a bunch of pills to take or a bunch of potions and lotions. And I'm like, it's not actually where we need to start. You know, as I say something like collagen, right? I just answered a question what's the best collagen supplement? I'm like, it's called food. Yeah. I'm like, why don't you just eat? You know, let's start with that. Let's start with foundation. Let's start with how are you sleeping? Let's start with mm -hmm. you know, behaviors before we start just, you cannot out supplement or even, even you can't even out eat a bad lifestyle. Right. Right. You know what I'm saying? You can't oh, yeah. counteract with food, um, staying up to four in the morning, sleeping two hours a night, you know, working a night shift. There's just some things biologically 
we are not ever going to outsmart the laws of nature. Mm -hmm. So why doesn't traditional medicine understand this? Well, I mean, you want me to keep it real for you? <laughs> well, let's assume it's a good way that they don't understand as opposed to potentially, you know, the con corporations controlling the, the, you know, the pharmaceuticals and all the other stuff that you, you hear about all the time. But just from a purely good intention standpoint, if you're a traditional doctor, you know, why don't why aren't there nutrition classes in med school, for example? And why does it in this day and age with all the knowledge, as you said, we have 47 books for everything uh, from eating to sex to everything else. These doctors aren't that stupid. I mean, there has to be a reason okay. why they don't look at that. Okay, well, many ways to take it, let's say. So I cannot talk about the Rockefellers and how they actually are funding medical school education because that is the reality. Yeah. It is what they learn. But what we've lost is the ability to observe. If true science and learning is an observation. So there's these great guys, most of them were like these anthropologists and these explorers. They were, you know, explorers and they went out and lived with the Inuit and, and the Hadza and the, you know, the zombie. They live in the Maasai, you know, Stephenson and Weston A. Price even. They went and lived with them and they just wrote everything down. They just watched them. They're like, what do they look like? What do they do? What do they eat? How do they sleep? How do they, I mean, that's all they did. They just observed it. They didn't have a theory. They didn't have a thesis they were trying to prove. It seems like we've lost the ability just, just to just observe and then do reasoning from like, well, that's what happened. Instead, what we like to do is, I think this is the answer. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to selectively observe my information to find a way to make that be true. You know, cholesterol theory is that, infectious theory is that or whatever versus, well, this is what we're seeing. Mm -hmm. They sure seem happy, strong, fit, da, da 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 They don't eat any grains. They don't eat any of the white stuff. They eat a ton of the, all they eat is the local stuff. They go to bed when the sun goes down. They don't have light bulbs. We call them primitive savages, but that's what they do. You know, and they're all fine. Now, so medicine, allopathic, you know, this is only 100, 150 years old. It's very new on the scene. I'm not quite sure exactly, how, they're the alternative medicine. Chinese medicine has been around for over 5,000 years. Ayurvedic medicine, I'm Indian, so that's like my game, right? It's been around a very long time. We have sacred medicinal texts even older than those. And those have been working for a very long time. Shamanistic principles have been around for a very long time. And also in none of those contexts and none of those systems um, are, is food ignored. They all address it. And none of those systems think this is just food for thought. None of them have an infectious agent causing illness. It's all poison detoxification to them or nutrient deficiency. All of the systems kind of do it the same way. They may have different approaches and how they're talking about it. And all of those systems understand electricity. All of those systems talk electromagnetism. They call it chi or prana or something else. The, the chakra system, spinning light. They all talk about light. They all talk about magnetism. They're all talking physics, biophysics. Western medicine doesn't do that. Mm -hmm. We seem to not want to do hard things like math and physics. And it's turned into, unfortunately, medical schools like a system to break human beings, like the military, overwhelm them make them memorize so much data 
that, and here's a flow chart of how it does. And now here's, now they have, there, I mean, if you went to medical school 30 years ago, you had a fraction of drugs to remember compared to today. Like it's, my friends who are practicing, like it's just insane. And, and the, the schedule, how is somebody supposed to critically think their way, question their professor or question the information with that schedule? It's not really designed for that. And the residency is horrific, right? It's, it's like famous on every TV show of how no one's sleeping, everyone's exhausted, it's insane. They're sleeping you know, at the hospital. It's not really set up to observe, study, inquire, and then insurance companies are running them. I've never taken insurance in over 20 years. I've never taken insurance. I, I, won't, I won't do it because they won't tell me what to do. Well, my friends who are doing it, they're like, seven, I got seven minutes per patient. I'm allowed seven minutes. I go, I spend three hours each visit. Tell me who's going to teach more and change more, seven minutes or three hours. Mm-hmm. You see, so there's, I think they're screwed. I think the model is horrific. And if you're, you know, something like only 7%, it might be 12, somewhere in that number of, of, of physicians are in private practice. I mean, because they're contained by these hospital systems that are telling them what to do. And they've got a, they've got a time clock. They got quota to meet. And you know, the reality is if you've got to see that many patients per hour, well, you can write a script in 30 seconds. I mean, and, and people are happy to take the script because they've been conditioned and they want it and they come in asking for it. So I, I think overwhelm, you know, paying for student loans, I think exhaustion and leads to kind of how it ends up in practice. And as far as this medical school is not teaching nutrition, I mean, you'd have to get into some of the history of where the nutrition um, guidelines came from in the first place and what motivated them and what was the politics behind that and how it was really a religious Seventh-day Adventist that actually created the guidelines. So there's a lot there that the system is, I think, and it's great to me because people it's starting to become glaringly broken to people who never realized it was. And they're gonna demand change. and and there's plenty of good doctors out there that want the change, you know, and it's going to happen, but it has to happen. Like I said, right at the research and school level, it has to. So how did you get um, the traditional mental health doctor to refer patients to you? Is it, are they at the point where they're, they realize their methodologies aren't working and they recognize the value in you or do you work in conjunction with them to help the patient? Uh, almost all of them came to see me as a patient first. So yeah, they know the system's not working. They'll they'll bring their kids to me. There's like, there's no way I'm putting my kid on ADHD meds. There's no way I'm doing this. So they're obviously already ones that are in private practice. They're kind of out of the system. They're either concierge physicians or they they have cash fee for service practices. They may not be full blown, um, doing it themselves, but you don't have to. Like I know the importance of hormone replacement therapy. I'm not doing it. I refer to the people who know how to do it. I know enough to catch it, to say, oh, you don't have this. You don't, you're not depressed, honey. It's Hashimoto's, (laughs) you know, it's not that. They told you you had what? I'm like, oh my God, it's a thyroid problem or it's a, like, you know, uh, we just have a progesterone problem now because, you know, like you don't need Klonopin or Ativan, like, let's get what you need. So I have to know that enough, right? So they know enough. So usually they come to see me and what the hook usually is, is neurofeedback. Neurofeedback, you know, recording brainwave activity and using operant conditioning in a training program 
uh, psychiatrists and physicians and other peak performers are very drawn to it um, and they understand it. And so a lot of psychologists might come to me they see the results after two, three months are like, that's it, I'm sending everybody to you. And once they start doing that, what happens is they still need to see that DBT therapist or whatever, they still have to do that. But typically the feedback is I can do in, when they're seeing you and me at the same time, in three months of neurofeedback, along with what they're doing, they get two to three years, years worth of work done. And the people are in manage because I bring the emotional stability, you know, structurally and functionally to the brain. So it can finally receive the therapies and stuff that they're doing, whether it's CBT, ERP, DBT, whatever, um, Imago. That, so I have a strong network that I work with. And then I'm down to only one psychiatrist that I think is decent, decent that once understands mm-hmm. you do need to titrate as I'm changing the brain, just like uh, diabetes, right? You're lo- if you're on insulin or something, you know, or even metformin and you start losing weight and you get healthier, your need for that medication goes away. Right. Well, same in the brain, whether it's Adderall or Prozac or something like that as we, so, you know, I used to, my goal used to be like with a schizophrenic would be like, they're on seven meds. I thought my goal was zero. And then I got to the point where I knew then two and we, and they were back to life. They were at college, working a job, like you wouldn't even know, right? That's winning. And I'd be like, you know what? Like, I'm not going to think I, I suck and this is, didn't work. I'm like, you know what? Lithium and what, what like, I, I like lithium a lot for those guys. You know what I mean? There's a certain dozen, I'm like, yeah, that one's a good one. You know? So then I, we learned to be like, there we are. Cause the goal is a stable, high quality life with the least amount of side effects, dangerous effects and risks to that person. And they can contribute to society and their family doesn't have to worry about them. So I don't know, that's, there's my long answer. So in each patient that comes to you, you obviously do an evaluation uh, and then are you determining some uh, a nutritional plan for them as well? And if so, what are some of the foods, both of you can answer this question, um, that are great for specific ailments um, one may be suffering as it relates to the brain? Yeah, I, I have to. And that's a, um, a sticking point for people with me. It becomes like, that's how we screen real quick because there's all kinds of Groupons for a brain map or something like that. Now it's real trendy, yeah. right? And I, mine, you know, was like four times the rate of anybody else's in the city. It's kind of like, geez, let me be real clear. You know, my office manager didn't know to say, she is going to look at everything and going to ask you to change possibly everything. If you are not willing to do it, do not waste anybody's time. So I like a high success rate. Mm-hmm. I guarantee I'm interviewing them. If you are not going to get with the program, you can move on. If you just want that, go next door. I have no time or patience for it. I've been doing this too long. I'm, I'm not going to waste my time. I just don't, I don't care to not feel like we like I, my life means something. So I want knock out the park, knock out the park. I want it to work. So same way, you know, same way as you, if you have, you know, I run, I do a lot of fasting. I run fasting programs. Well, if I have somebody comes to me, they're anorexic. Well, you can't join my fasting program because right. you're not allowed to do that. Right. So the same way. So I'm like, if their brain isn't ready for neurofeedback, or whatever, I'm like, first thing I might be like, we got to build you up. So yes, food is critical. Inflammation is a massive issue. I, a brain on fire is like, a, is a real thing. You can see the pictures. I'm like, do you see the red? Do you see how it's on fire? your anxiety is all high beta brain on fire. You cannot have alcohol, sugar, grains, you know, whatever. Right. So my entry point in my office is typically, um, there is nobody allowed to do anything under like a paleo entry point. Like there's no standard American diet. There'll be no gluten. There'll be no, so that's kind of like the 
entry point. However, and I'm WALS protocol certified and, and I GAPS diet. So because of, I use these different tools, um, because I already have so many people coming to me that are vaccine injured autism, let's say, and um, so many people that they're already down with the holistic thing. They've been doing this a while. They're usually much further than paleo. You might have AIP people or they've been on walls or they're looking for the next level. So I have to just see, you know, are we at kindergarten? Are we in sixth grade? Are we in high school? Are we getting, going for our PhD? And I move them along slowly there. But in general, you're an animal. That brain is animal fat and cholesterol, saturated fat and cholesterol. I'm going to load you up on the primary structures of what it is to be human. And what it is to be human is animal protein, animal fat, and a bunch of minerals, and you don't need carbs. Okay. So I'm going to address that really, really deeply and try my best to get people ketogenic, a natural primal ketogenic diet. I like fats, bone marrow. Um, this is, you know, if I could get people to eat brains, I would, you know, you got a brain problem, you eat a brain, you got a liver problem, you eat a liver, you got a heart problem, you eat heart. Now, I, I can't quite get that to go on yet. So I go with um, what would be considered natural ketogenic fats, lots of cholesterol, eggs, bone marrow, uh, bone broth, fatty meats, um, a lot of uh, salmon roe is a big one. That's a huge one. So for the phospholipid form of um, the omega-3 DHA, I need lots of omega-3 and a lot of people don't like fish and fish concerns me with some of the toxicity. So I don't want them having too much sardines, oysters. So there's some, these are some foundational foods that uh, are just required. I started about two, three years ago. I don't know exactly, maybe four. <laughs> um, I no longer will accept vegans. Uh, I was vegan for 12 years myself, but it became trying to do neurofeedback on that brain it just doesn't work. I don't have enough substrate. There's not enough cholesterol. There's not enough omega-3. I can't do it. None of those supplements, plant-based, they don't work. They don't convert. I've done it too long. Again, I was a vegetarian 14 years practicing, vegan 12. It doesn't work. And I finally just kept seeing it and feeling bad. I'm taking their money and it's not working. So I just, if you're willing to change so I can fix it, then that's what we do. So yeah, I, I focus on uh, a lot of saturated fat, cholesterol, the proper human diet, as Ken Berry says. So we have an employee in the office and he was vegan for a year. He like wanted to try it. He thought that was health. And then um, last Friday, he was like, I'm going to try carnivore. So total, you know, 180. And he's been carnivore since Friday. And already <laughs> since Friday, he's like, my energy and my brain clarity is completely different. And I'm like, well, I'm glad he wants to go to med school. And I'm like, well, I'm glad you started this now before you start cutting people open with that clear yeah. mind. But it's, it's really, extraordinary. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But it's like, it's really it's incredible. Your how your brain and your body needs that fat, needs that protein, and you can't get it elsewhere to get that full benefit. It is how we developed. It is what made us human. The reality of that we've known this, the anthropological study, they've, they've really gone back and figured it out. It's like, it's done. You can look at the deuterium levels, which is an isotope of hydrogen. They've measured them in the bones of humans going back to four and a half million years old. And we see the whole story of what was going on. The reality is what makes the most sense and what they figured out because they have found the bones. They have found all of these things in the caves. Humans figured out some ancestor, some primate ancestor of, of what this homo sapiens sapien is, 
you know, we couldn't really compete with all the animals out there doing their thing. There was, was a little bit hard for us, but we came across some bones, somebody, I don't know who that first pre-human was that figured out how to crack into bones using stones. They found the stone tools. We have the actual, what are the first tools that were used to crack open bones? There is so much food and marrow. You crack open the skull of a woolly mammoth, that's tons of food for your family and your tribe. 20% bone marrow, tons of fat and nutrition. And they figured out how to even slice up those bones eventually. And they used leather, the animal skin and would carry. And they knew how to like take it with them in a backpack to travel, to have the bones and the marrow. And they were eating that all the time. That is straight ketogenic stuff. When all that fat was flooding this brain, it eventually started changing what the mitochondria were doing and the whole way our system was and neurotransmitters were born. That created memory, that created learning. Now we can learn to track things. Other primates don't do what we do. They can't do those things. And it got bigger and better and better. And we could safely do it by scavenging the part of the animals that had the marrow and the brains that nobody else could get to. That's, That's the key of what happened to us. And it is what made us human and made the brain bigger and better than anybody else on earth. That gets in our way sometimes because we overthink things, but we come up with cool stuff too. And it makes perfect sense of how cholesterol plays right into neurotransmitter, your communication, your thinking, and the lower cholesterol you have, you know, that's where dementia comes in and other, you know, brain. And it's very interesting because so many, um, medicines like what statins are now being tied directly to dementia and alzheimer's and it's Mm -hmm. like well yes if you're decreasing the cholesterol which is you know the lead to all of this to how your brain works to how your body and your neurotransmitters are functioning it goes hand in hand and it's interesting because i feel like one we don't really know you know cholesterol you see a box of cheerios and it's like low cholesterol it's like one you shouldn't be eating a box of cheerios so that should be a little you know standalone of like that doesn't make sense. But two, if it's on every cell in our body, then why are we trying to decrease it so much? Yeah, that's part of the lies that get told, right? This is, I think, you know, to Jim's question about why can't medicine seem to get it right? I don't really know, but they seem to look at the healing, the cure as the bad thing. Right. Yeah, you know, the cholesterol is there to heal, cure, and repair things, yet they demonized it. You know, a fever is a powerful, potent healing mechanism. It gets rid of everything. It stops cancer in its tracks. Yet they want to stop and suppress that. You know, pus, infection, they're there to clean and purge out the problem. It's the actual cure. But allopathic medicine looks at every symptom as if it's a problem. I'm like, no, 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 but that's, the body's just curing itself. And every symptom so individually too. Yeah. yeah, but you know, cholesterol is, I mean, I will say I learned about the main cholesterol thing it was on me, right? So I was a vegetarian. I had right. extremely low cholesterol, but I didn't know. And it was yeah. uh, um, a geneticist, a great functional doctor that I finally was seeing here. And I was so depressed. I was so fat and depressed with being a vegetarian. And it turns out my thyroid crash, you know, blah, 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 right? Because I don't know, you're just flooding yourself with gluten and soy for the most right. part. Right? You know what I mean? You're like, you didn't know any better. They're like, you have atypical celiac. I'm like, what? You know, like, what's that? Right? Yeah. All that tofurkey. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, like doing the best, I'm 25, right? Right. And there's so, so much information. 
so yeah, it, so much. So she has looked at my numbers, and of course, my the physician was like these like oh, I have the great cholesterol numbers or something, right? And she looked at it. I don't remember what the number was, but let's say like 120 or something, yeah. you know what I mean? Bad. And she's like, ah, uh, because your brain is deteriorating and you're depressed, right? I'm like, you're depressed. You're like, yeah, that's because your brain's falling apart. We get, this is horrible, right? And so I had a new patient yesterday. And of course, coming for anxiety, depression, even like hallucinations, little potential schizoaffective psychotic. I'm not real sure exactly. And I was like, mm -hmm. oh, I don't know. Let's see what's going on. And look at the numbers. Um, this is an African-American woman here in the South, was, was probably 50 pounds overweight, uh, cholesterol 127, vitamin D 16.1, you know, things like that where you're like, uh-huh, hormones all depleted. I'm like, yeah. yeah. So like, let me explain to you what cholesterol does in the body. Let's explain to you that every cell in your body short of red blood cells, makes its own cholesterol. Your liver spends half its day making cholesterol. Please someone explain it. 50% of your membranes is cholesterol. 80% of your brain is cholesterol. Can please someone tell me how cholesterol became the devil? Right. I don't understand. Your every cell makes it. If every cell's making it, I'm pretty sure it's not bad for you. Right. I know. Um, and now, oh, sorry. So the problem is now, you know, some of our patients, you know, Dr. Bannon says the same thing that you say. Then they go to their regular doctor, they get their labs done and their cholesterol is at, you know, 240, let's say if they're a 50 year old man and immediately they want to throw them on statins uh, because they scared the bejesus out of them. And so now the patient's kind of stuck in the middle, like, well, do I, you know, compromise and maybe reduce my cholesterol to 190, um, you know, uh, to keep Dr. Brandon happy and to keep my other doctor happy. Like, so that's a problem because you're going back and forth and, and people's unfortunately still aren't able to break away from the traditional doc um, to go someplace else. And I think from an acute standpoint, you know, it's a team approach. You know, you have your individual person, okay, who's going to make sure I'm healthy? You know, it's um, going to be Dr. Remka. Okay, cool. I'm going to go over here or Dr. Brandon. Um, but man, if I, you know, have something that, you know, those two can't diagnose, you know, then maybe I should go to an acute doctor at that point in time, because maybe in some cases I do need a drug. And I think, how do you combat that, though, as a doctor? I mean, it's just it's it's kind of frustrating as a patient because you are stuck in the middle sometimes. Um, I, it's pretty simple for me. I think it comes down to integrity. And so my job, quite frankly, I'm a mother as well. I could care less if my son is mad at me or likes me or something that day. It's called parenting. So doctoring means your feelings, if you like me or not today, is, and I, I'll say things like, look, you may never want to see me again, but I'm going to tell you the truth. I'm not going to lie to patients. I'm not going to coddle them. I'm not going to keep wrapping them in their diapers at, so they can go off to their grave slowly. So I stand very strong. I am still, I'm confident in what I'm saying. I'm confident in what I know. I project that onto them. I teach them to trust themselves. I teach them to stand up to their physicians. I will not let them be bullied. I said, no, 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 no. Your gastroenterologist said, what to you? I said, that's, we're not having it. Not today. So you either, and then they usually go back and they fire them mm -hmm. because you can find a new doctor. There are many, you know what? You don't like what they say? Fire them. It is that simple. I guess I mean, that's, I'm just saying, I don't think, I think doctors need to man up a little bit. Mm -hmm. I'm not trying, you know, if I'm worried about keeping a patient to earn money, then you should retire. 
you know, that's just the truth of it. So I think at the end, you, you educate that patient. That happens all the time to me. They come in. Okay. I got it. They said, what's you? Okay. Let's have an education. Let's just, you make your own decision. Let me educate you again, because I don't spend seven minutes per patient. I can do that. I usually reference them to Perlmutter. I think his book, Grain Brain, is excellent. He breaks down the cholesterol stuff. There's so many uh, resources, physicians. So they go, look, I'm the quack. You don't have to believe me. Look at these ones. They've come to the dark side, you know, and they get it. As soon as you say, look, the kind of that magic number is 220 to prevent Alzheimer's. Do you want, I don't want Alzheimer's, dementia, Parkinson's. They get it. I mean, they, they just need somebody to give them a little bit of encouragement and to say, I stand with you. I call principals, I call teachers, and I call doctors. I said, they said, what to you? Give it to me. I have gone to town on the phone with principals almost to the puzzle. Let me be real clear. You are not practicing medicine. If you ever tell that parent this again, that's how it is. I've actually sent a contract to one school. This kid was having such problems, a seven-year-old shaking in terror with so much anxiety to walk into school because of the, what they were doing in terms of the homework and the writing on the board, this girl is brilliant. It wasn't about that. I needed to have time to fix her brain, but she was being traumatized by the style of the school and all this ridiculous kind of homework that's not necessary. And I said, so here's the thing, I sent something to you. So I basically sent them like a disclosure of like, are you gonna sign liability for her mental health until she's 18 by doing this? Or are we getting a break? She's under my care. There will be no more homework. There will be no more pop quizzes. The blah, I had a whole litany. And at first, the mom was like, oh, it didn't work. So it didn't work. I'll call them. That's what doctors need to do. Doctor means teacher, not drug pusher, not problem, you know, symptom solver. It means teacher. That's what the Latin word means. So my job is to teach them enough, to be empowered enough, to stand up anywhere, to know how to stand up in an ER, to know how to stand up in this. You know what I mean? They, then they can make a, an informed consent decision because they've been informed. So if they still want to go on the statin, I'm going to hug them and love them and they can do what they want to do, but they've had the information. Mm -hmm. And if I can help, you know, making a fear-based decision, that's the worst place to make a decision from. The, the brain is not rational when it's, when it's anxious and afraid. That's not what we want to do. So if I can help soothe that, now come from, come from a stronger place, make a decision then. They usually make better decisions, you know, when they feel safe mm -hmm. and, and protected. And I'll do that for my patients. I think that's the biggest thing is, I think growing up, you're like, oh, you go to the doctor and they'll tell you what to do. Absolutely. But as you, you know, as you get older and you've experienced more doctors or, you know, other people's experiences, you have to remember, you know, your body the best and you need to be the best advocate for yourself. And so, like you said, like fire a doctor, find the next one. And that's like, we're so big here. Like we'll, you know, talk with patients and we don't just tell them what to do, or, you know, we'll say what we think, but then we give them education and articles and like, here's what we think, this is why, and now you go to your own research because that's what's key so that they can take it with them, they can think about it. And like you said, then they can have that power to stand up to the next doctor, next principal, whoever they may be talking with. Right, yeah. So since we have 15 minutes, let's talk about two fun topics that everybody likes to talk about these days. And you seem to be a very, uh, it's refreshing by the way, a very forceful for personality and, um, Thoughts on the vaccine with your patients? And then, of course, we could talk about um, COVID as well. So we'll differentiate. Again, we're going to use words because words have meaning and they're powerful. So are we talking about actual vaccines? Or are we talking about the phase three clinical I'm trial? I'm sorry, the, the, the gene therapy. Okay, great. Yes. 
ladder. So that, that experimental jab? <laughs> yes. Gene therapy, yes. So, I mean, I think it's, I think it's insanity. I, I, I'm terrified of it. Um, I, I just, if, again, for me, it comes down to connection and nature and what it means to be human. I don't think you can get, I mean, you can, but this is a massive path to become non-human, to genetically modify your own genetic code and to have your body be able to manufacture an artificial protein, spike protein. That's insanely dangerous. Mm -hmm. At least with a traditional vaccine theory, it at least makes sense whether I agree with it or not, right? You have an idea of, okay, there's this thing that causes an illness, let's kill it and have an attenuated version. We're gonna try to stimulate the immune system to make antibodies so it'll have an artificial immunity. That doesn't sound like craziness, this other thing. I mean, I, I just don't understand. I mean, who actually goes into set up clinical trials to try drugs? People who are like desperate, whether they need money, they're homeless on the street, they're drug addicts, or they have a terminal illness. Under no circumstances, do, as anybody I know would say, yeah, I would like $300 to be your lab rat for the next two months drug company. None of us, I mean, none of us do that. Yeah. It's usually, you know, people who are desperate and don't have quite in, inmates, they, they use prisoners, they use slaves, they go to Africa and India, they get the black and brown people, let's just tell the truth. So. Uh, it makes me very nervous. I'm really sad to see that people have been so terrorized that they won't question something that um, is technically still in a phase three clinical trial. I, I, I would never try anything. I, I don't buy a brand new car. Like, well, that's the first year. I'll wait because I'm sure something's going to break on it. You know, I mean, I just don't understand it. Especially something that COVID is, you know, over 99% survivable. And, yeah. and I feel like, in, but you, like what we were talking about before, the, our brain doesn't make rational decisions based on fear and the amount of fear that they have put out for the past year, they knew, you know, yeah. it's, that's what's getting people. And it's hopefully, it's I say, I don't understand. It's a trauma response. Yeah. People I mean, have been traumatized by it. And now they're right. just, I mean, the death response. count on the news for a year with people sitting inside, like that's, you know, it's very all into it, but I have a question. So at first, I was worried that people who were getting the shot, they were going to shed, but it's not a normal vaccine, so they weren't going to shed. But now there's all these cases that people who are around people who got it are getting sick. Mm -hmm. So none that? of us know, none of us are right. going to know, right? But here's a, still, a couple yeah. theories that yeah. I think I saw right away. So at the end of the day, I talked about, you know, I talked a little bit about what does it come down to nature and nature is right. electromagnetic. We are electromagnetic beings. Our mitochondria are sending out signals and receiving signals. Mitochondria, that's why we've been able to adapt. If you know anything about mitochondrial health and, and genetic Doug Wallace's work and haplotypes, you understand they respond to light and temperature, just boom, 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 boom. That's why we have so many different colors and so many different things because the mitochondria, how quickly they change. Our DNA doesn't change, the mitochondrial DNA. Mm -hmm. It's a non-human whole subset of DNA that's running the show for us. You know, we have a whole nother alien being inside of us called mitochondria and they're running our energy show. They're creating all our metabolic water. They're keeping us hydrated, keeping us structured and keeping us alive. So, you know, you have that, they send and receive informations with the environment. This is not 
woo woo. This is what, you know, quantum (laughs) biology, this is, this is fact. Okay. So there's resonance as well. So that's part of the electromagnetic frequency and resonance of frequency that we're emitting. We also emit light frequency. We're emitting light we're a light sound frequency emitting and, and receiving being. Giant antennas to the environment, we're constantly sending and receiving information. This is known. I use all of these in my practice. I use light, sound, PEMF, electromagnetic frequencies, electricity, transcranial stem, all of the stuff to help patients get better. So that system needs that. Well, it's sending out information. If you change the resonance of the human being, you become like a beacon to Wi-Fi telecommunicate, it's no different. So we like to say things like, well, it's pheromones. Like you can put 15 women together somewhere and we are gonna sync up and our periods are gonna be the same. You know, we change each other just by being around us. Mm -hmm. We know that. You walk into a room at a party or any room and if that energy isn't right, you're like, whoa, there's something there, frequency. You feel it. Your body picks it up and goes, "Uh uh-uh, something's not good here. Mm -hmm. Or like, wow, what is this frequency? Oh, yeah. And I love it. That's resonance. And reson- it's like tuning forks, mm-hmm. right? You get the right one and they start to make all the other ones go off. I think it's more that. Yeah. I think if you change your resonance, it, 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 you don't have to be shedding things. It's just frequency. Right. But I don't know. Right. I, because again, it's a trial. Yeah. That they created. And like for Johnson Johnson, they've never made one, a vaccine. And here it is, the trial now. Yeah. I mean, Moderna's never successfully made anything until now, supposedly. I mean, you know what I mean? Like it's all, I, I just, I mean, there's that. I get people have a trauma response. I also go with, I'll say this and, you know, I can tell Jim's like rolling his eyes inside himself. He's like, wow, this woman says some things, but here's the reality. I'm a mom. I had to hire a babysitter at one point, a nanny. I did background checks on her, right? I did background checks on everybody and you kind of see. So I would never hire somebody that had been arrested and convicted five times of child molestation. And if I did, everybody would think I'm an irresponsible lunatic because I put my child at risk. Now, me hiring a five-time convicted child molester to watch my son didn't mean they would molest him, but there's a really high probability that that past behavior is going to predict future behavior. That's the best determinant of psychology of future behavior is past behavior. So every pharmaceutical firm making one of these injections is a convicted felon multiple times of lying, deceiving, and killing human beings with their drugs. I have yet to understand why anybody continues to trust them or believe anything they say. Because they are repeated convicted felons of lying in their manufacturing and what their data shows and what their products do. I'm not sure why that isn't more well-known, why that isn't being talked about and why they're still doing business. Because uh, we would never let a convicted child molester own a daycare center, right? I'm just saying, it seems like common sense to me, but yet we seem to have lost common sense. And that's what's been mind blowing of this whole experience. Yeah. But also it's very manufactured of what's going on. Trauma does that though. Right. right? And I, I do, I yeah. do have deep compassion. Right. You hear me with a strong voice. This is heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. I'm watching people, their families being torn apart and people isolated and grandmothers not seeing their grandbabies for a year. It's horrible. I've watched my patient base be destroyed with their anxiety and PTSD and panic and things coming back. I have a tremendous amount of women that have been raped and putting on that mask is absolute horror for them. My nephew is autistic. He can't wear that mask. He's been at home now for almost two years. 
you know, yeah. we're all doing the best we can. I get it. I, I really do understand. And there comes a point though, I'm like, you can't keep choosing convenience and comfort. That's killing us. Exactly. Well, that's the problem too, because I think people are so frustrated. They're willing to go along, take the risk, uh, get the vaccine just so they can have this vaccine passport so they can go do things again because every day they're being threatened that they're going to lose their liberty and freedom if they don't get the vaccine. Yeah. Well, we have to teach them to rise up. Exactly. I mean, that's what it is. I mean, if this is, I mean, I, I won't get into it too much. It's, you do not need permission to live your life. You do not need permission to be a sovereign being. You do not need permission to control and govern what goes into your body, what air you breathe and who you congregate with. You know, I, I mean, I don't, can't speak for any other country. My father, my grandfather, came, he was Muslim and he came from this country from you know East Pakistan. He came here for a reason. He came here for freedom. He came here to guarantee, let his own daughter, you don't have to be Muslim, be what you want. You know, you don't have to wear any of that stuff because you're American. So I'm freaking American and I have actual rights. I don't live in Dubai or Syria or some other places that I don't want to go. So people need to remember that you do not need permission from your government or some agency to do anything. They need to stand up and take it back. That's what it comes down to. Exactly. If you were running, uh, if you were Dr. Fauci a year ago, what, what advice would you have given the general public on COVID? <laughs> so if I was Dr. Fauci, <laughs> do I have to be him? No, you can well, be, a, no. You can be you, you can be you. Yeah. But you're... yeah. Well, a year ago when we first heard, right, let's say I just had that information, the information I gave to my own mother and my, all my patients and everything, I didn't know. We didn't know. We heard it was coming out of Wuhan. It was very concerning. You know, we focused on things to build the immune system, had a supplement bundle, including, you know, a few peptides, you know, vitamin C, zinc, uh, melatonin. We had the whole bundle, the D3, K2. I was like, look, like I had light bulbs, everybody... So here's the thing too. I'm in a ozone, a lot of oxygen, ozone therapy and light therapies. And you know, the whole Trump statement, which was hilarious. And I had to like say to people I'm like, uh, he actually, that was like a thing. I get it done all the time. I have UV light put into my vein and ozonated blood. It's awesome. It's called MAHUBI. That's real. So I think those therapies, I would have told everybody to get a nebulizer and have hydrogen peroxide at home, colloidal silver, like kind of like I have a rectal ozone right in my house. You know, I have, I got all the gadgets. I already know all the things. This is what I teach my people. How can you be empowered at home to protect yourself? You don't need us, right? That's what you really need. If shit goes, sorry, if things go down, can you survive? Right. Do you have what you need? That's my son's super into survival prep. So I kind of got into it. So that's what I would start with. And I absolutely would have talked about, and I did videos on it. I talked about how quickly you could affect your immune system by lowering um, leptin. And the way you do that is by lowering insulin, which is by going low carb, having high cholesterol, high saturated fatty foods, getting rid of all the processed things, all the high glycemic. You can change that in 24 hours. It's dramatic what you can do to an immune system in a few days by, by changing what you eat to a nice primal human uh, diet of grass-fed ketogenic fats and meats and cholesterols uh, things. And by changing glucose, which changes insulin, which, you know, lowers leptin. We want all those things nice and low and stable. I would immediately gone into that. 
obviously fresh air, sunlight, move like a human, walk. If you like exercise, do it. You'd only exercise if you got enough sleep. Sleep is your main priority prior to, you know, the basics of what a human being, what they should have been saying all along. But I don't think the goal was to keep people healthy. Exactly. Yeah. I feel like we were in the same, we've been in the same office working together. That's usually how private practice works, right? You yeah. can, right? You're in private practice. You guys have to be good at what you do. Otherwise you'll go out of business. So, so interesting. At the beginning of this, when you said, if I'm bad, patients aren't coming, but insurance, people just Google is they uh, take my insurance. So I'm like, that is so true. You're always going to have that revolving patient, but exactly like people don't want to come see us. They're not coming. Exactly. And when they yeah. give you the money, it, yep. the energy exchange, they're committed. Exactly. They're in it. this isn't a $10 copay. Mm -hmm. You know, this is, we're in this together. I'm giving you everything I got. You give me the energy. I'll give you the energy. And they're committed. Like you don't get, you know, for a while I was getting patients that were sent to me from like a drug rehab. And I'm like, I'm not working with these kids. They're not committed. I'm not fighting. I'm not going to work harder than you for you to be healthy. That's going to destroy me. Exactly. Yeah. That's not sustainable. Right. So what do you see the, medicine treatment options going. I mean, earlier, I think I I took it as you're optimistic that more and more doctors like you, for example, will, you know, treat more and more patients over time. Um, Do you see that happening in the next 10 years, 20 years, or, you know, is this going to be a long, slow slog? Well, I think we might need to maybe even change the terms. I mean, healthcare needs to become healthcare. Mm -hmm. Medicine is the practice of treating with drugs and surgery and drugs. I mean, it's just a, it's, it's using medicine and surgery. It has its place. Mm-hmm. I mean, I want, if I get in a car accident, I want the best, you know, ortho and neurosurgeon in on the round. And the reality is the best physicians that I've seen, the ones that to me are actually good, neurosurgeons, orthopedic surgeons, cardiothoracic surgeons, and some OBGYNs. I would say the majority of everybody else were like, I don't really know if they know anything, you guys. I mean, I'm sorry, but they don't seem to know much. I mean, God bless you guys for doing what you do. Cause I'll tell you right now here in Atlanta, I don't know one endocrinologist I can refer to. And so that is why we started um, adding thyroid treatments to our practice mm-hmm. because so, cause on our initial lab panel, it's a full thyroid panel. And so many people are being treated for thyroid issues and we're on Synthroid and yeah. one weren't feeling better, two never got that full lab panel. And so that's why it really started because they weren't being treated and feeling better. Yeah, it's critical. I mean, I really, yeah. I get so many people misdiagnosed and then I had a really, you know, with anxiety or depression or ADHD right. and it's their thyroid. I'm like, right. exactly. uh, you don't need a therapist. It's your Basically, thyroid. You're, you're you know? going to that 20. So let's start. Yeah, it's yeah. Really bad. And then it leads me into, you know, you need the hormone immediately. I mean, let's, this is a triage moment. Like get it right. We got to do it. Like it's a cast or whatever. You need surgery to get it done. Then we can say, so it's up to you. Like we can talk, like you can resolve this. You don't have to be on that for life. Hey, if you're on it for life, that's not the worst thing ever. You guys real hormone replacement is this is a natural, you know, endogenous thing. Like it's not the same, but if you really want to take it to the next level and change behaviors and get a good relationship with what you're eating and, mm-hmm. and the light and your sleep and stress, you want to do that. And they, they can decide, you know exactly. what I mean? Exactly. That's so, what we always, yeah. We always say that like, hormones are key, right? It's like gasoline to a car, hormones to your body. 
But if you get your hormones treated, but you go eat McDonald's, you're not going to get the full benefit. You're not going to feel the best. You're not going to have the same, you know, enjoyment of life. So it really is a full, full circle. We really try to look at, you know, the body as a whole. And like you said, being outside, going for a walk, working out, you know, it's, it's not a one thing. It's It's not. And and I know it's hard to teach them that because, you know, everyone's so stressed out, overworked and and in debt and slave to money and economics. I get it. So kind of like, Mm -hmm. uh, how am I supposed to do that? What do you mean? I'm supposed to like play and sleep early and because we have a real problem with rest in this country and a real mm-hmm. addiction to hustle and grind and over, you know, that's the American mentality, be a factory worker, basically. Don't think, because right. he asked earlier, Jim asked about that, why can't they? Because we're trained to be factory workers, not think, even our physicians. Follow the protocol, do what it says, here's the flow chart and get it right. done. You know, not, kind of daydreaming and thinking about it, very non-Daoist, Daoists go into daydreaming first and then the answer will come to you. And we resist this so much, like we think it's reserved to geniuses like Tesla and Einstein who who all showed us, it's in the the flow of the nothing that Mm -hmm. answers just came to them all in one and they just learned to write it down. So yeah, it's it's hard to teach some of them that, but a lot of times I think half my job is just teaching people that it's a given permission to love and nurture themselves again. Which is huge. You know, I I, I think Dr. Like Will Cole always talks about it. Like if you don't love yourself, you're never going to be able to fully heal. And that is so true. Yeah, big time. Well, doctor, this has been a fascinating discussion today and we thank you for joining us. Um, Every time we end the podcast, we always ask our guests to provide five takeaways um, for the listeners. So I'm going to throw it back to you and um, five takeaways, like five things that I think they should do. Like, what does that mean? And like anything that you comes to your mind, like to have like enjoy life to whatever comes to your mind. Okay. Whatever it is. Yeah. Okay. Well, one, one of the most powerful lessons I ever learned was to throw away my TV. Mm-hmm. I haven't owned a TV in 20 something years. Get rid of your TV. Um, stop know that nutrition number two nutrition is everything that goes into your system it is not just what goes into your mouth it's the music you listen to it's the people you're around it's the books you read it's the shows you watch you are absorbing everything three to follow up with that you hear your mind hears everything everything you say to yourself you're always listening and Be mindful of your words. Be mindful of how you describe yourself. Be mindful how often you say, I can't. Be mindful how you talk to yourself. In that vein, number four, I would recommend everybody, if they haven't already done it, they find a picture of themselves when they were three, four, five, something like that. A a photo of themselves, kind of like their inner child that they really liked. Like, oh man, look how cute I was. Find that. Put him or her in a frame and start talking to her every day, you know, to say me, I have this in my bathroom, but I went through this. If you're struggling to love yourself or to have the health you want, there's going to be some unresolved emotions that are trapped in there. You start talking to yourself when you're a child every day, just briefly. And it could be, hi, honey, I love you. You're so cute. That's it. Have a good day. That's it. And you'll actually find sometimes that might be really hard to do. And if that starts coming up, you might have to talk to your doctor or therapist like, wow, I think I have a lot of stuff going on. 
Um, five, I think I'm on. I would say do everything you can to remember what it means to be human. And if that means studying some old text, things like the Weston A. Price Foundation, westonaprice.org is a great website that kind of gives you a foundation of what did indigenous primal human beings live like? What did we eat? How did we move? And in general, when it comes down to food, a uh, proper human diet is a local right to you. The sun is near you. It's not being shipped across uh, time zones. It's grass fed animals that are eating what they're supposed to do, not anything artificial, not living in cages and eating cyclically with the seasons. If it isn't near you growing and you can't, and remember you're fighting with other animals to get to it. You and your family would never be able to get a hold of five apples because those boars would have killed you. So go back to being human, make your diet animal based and you want to add other things in there for fun, fine. Mm -hmm. Is that my five? I love it. Yeah, they were probably the best five we've ever gotten. Uh, question for you. Do you really go to bed when the sun sets? I mean, when it gets dark? Uh, not always, but I always use blue lighters. I, my whole house has special lights and I have blue blockers. So I have red lights that convert. So I have no fluorescent or LED lights in my home. I control the light environment. I do use fire, salt lamps for ambiance. So you can see red and orange light. We have adapted to, to fire. And the moon is not any blue light. It's yellow and red wavelengths as well. So that doesn't disrupt melatonin production the same way. So you need the full darkness immersion and we're missing that because of light toxicity. So I use blue blocking uh, glasses. Um, I have filters on every, every screen will go red if I was gonna watch something, red screens and blue blocking glasses. And I usually am using candles and fireplace and fire pits, things like that. But I'm asleep 9.30, you know, 10 or something, some up at 3.30 to 5, something like that. Sure. And if you're going to give up the TV, um, how painful are the first few weeks? Well, you know, I did it and I was like 20 something. Um, you know, I don't remember. And I, I've had people do it and they shockingly say it's not that hard. I mean, and it might be, I'm saying you have to like, get rid of it, either move it or put like a, often if it's in the house, put a blanket over it. It does help to like hide it the same way you'd put like a towel over cupcakes around the counter, just put it away. Cause just seeing it triggers a, a cortisol response and everything, right? You guys know, right? So uh, you can put a sheet over it and that kind of thing. And you just, it's really about, um, and for me with families, with kids, it should be a no brainer. They shouldn't, no child should be seeing any screen, you know, until they're probably at least, I want to say 12, but I'll maybe go to nine. Um, it, it just gives you a chance to connect again, play games, bring out Monopoly, break out Candyland, you know, or whatever, play Scrabble or go outside, play catch. If you, you gotta fill it in. You know, I usually don't like to take away with diet, let's say, I never take things away before I add in. You know, you right. just add things in. Okay, can we eat more meat? Can we eat more? Like sometimes women are just starving. I'm like, oh man, you need to eat so much more food. <laughs> you know, just eat whatever you like, just eat more of it, right? Before I start taking the things away, you know, you want to fill them up with what's going to satiate them. So I don't know how hard it'll be for some people. The little phone devices and the Amazon and the shopping and the Tinder or the Instagram, that's probably harder now because the dopamine hits are just so rapid fire now. That's, that's a little bit harder to do, but I have to replace it with something for them. So I work that out with them. I would say, work out a way you can do it, you know? Yeah. 
Well, this has been a fascinating hour. We thank you for your time today. And for those that are interested, please Google, look her up, Brain and Body Solutions. What town are you in Atlanta? I, I'm in Atlanta proper. Okay. And just Google Atlanta and uh, you'll come up and uh, love to have you on again down the road and uh, best of luck to you and your practice. Thank you so much. It was really, really, really fun to be here. I hope I didn't bring too much, uh, you know, controversy, but hey, maybe. maybe oh, no. we, you are fitting right in. You okay. and uh, Greg need to have a great conversation. So awesome. thank you for being okay. here. Yeah, and you got Tyler talking a lot today. So that's always good also. Good. <laughs> yes. Uh, take care. Thank you. Thanks. Yep. All right. Bye. Bye-bye.